0: Let me ask you a question. Would you classify yourself as a holy person? If you're describing yourself to someone, would you say that I'm a holy person? I don't know about you, but I don't think I could say that about myself. I struggle right there a little bit with personal holiness. I don't know that I could bring myself to say that I am a holy person. That's tough, is it not? To be able to stand on a platform or be able to stand among your friends and your co-workers and your family members and say that I'm a holy person. Would you agree with me that maybe that's an area where we all struggle a little bit? You struggle there? I struggle there. But my intent today is twofold. My intent today is to share with you the battleground of holiness and then put together a battle plan so that we can strive to live a holy life. Now all week long we've been studying together as a church Ephesians chapter 4 and we're on the one concept, one theme, one biblical principle uh, agenda here at Victory Church We all study together through our devotional material, and through our Sunday school material, one theme, and the theme that we've been studying this week is holiness. Matter of fact, our memory verse is found in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 24, and I believe I have it on the screen for you here, where it says, put on the new man which was created according to God in true, what? Righteousness and Holiness. Holiness. The Word of God tells us that we're to put on holiness. Just let me call a timeout and go to a commercial. It does matter how you live your life Monday through Saturday. For those who don't know, when I pull my ear, I'm looking for an amen, okay? If you're not used to saying amens, that's okay. I'll I'll give you a little help. All right, you catch on quick, okay? We are to strive to live a holy life. Life. It matters what we do on a weekly basis. It matters where we go. It matters the conversations that we get in. It matters about the jokes that we tell. That's a good spot for an amen right there. Hello? Why? Because we are to strive to live a holy life. Look in your notes. i put a few passages of Scripture for you. We're going to turn in our Bibles in just a moment. But in Hebrews chapter 12, and verse number 14, the Bible says to make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be what? Holy. And then it says this, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. The Bible says that we are to make every effort to be holy. In the Greek, as you break down the little phrase, make every effort, it means to pursue. It means to strive. It means to seek after. It means to earnestly endeavor to acquire holiness. Now, it's something we do every single day of our lives. We don't all of a sudden wake up and we're holy and and we just live that way. It's something we're pursuing. It's something we're diligently reaching for. It's something that we're seeking for in our life on a daily basis. We're to strive to be holy. And then the Bible goes a little bit further and it says something that I don't know about you, but sometimes just looking at it at the outset... Is a little disturbing because it says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Why? Because He is a holy God. And He is a just God. And He is a righteous God. And He is a sinless God. And He will not, not, nor will He allow sin and unrighteousness to enter into His presence because He is a holy God. And folks, without holiness, none of us will see Him. None of us will see Him. We go a little bit farther. We see another passage of Scripture in your notes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In verse number 7 it says, For God did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life. To live this holy life. In First Peter 1 and 15, the Bible says, As the one who called you is holy, so also are you to be holy in all your conduct. Wow. How in the worlds do we get... How in the world do we get our arms around the concept that we are to live a holy life? Let me tell you why that's difficult for me. Because I know who John Cannon is. I live with him every day. I wake up and look at that ugly mug in the mirror every morning as I'm blow drying my hair. I know who I am. I know what I think. I know the thoughts that run through my mind. And every time I think about that, I think about... you. How many remember the show Gilligan's Island? You remember that skipper and Gilligan and the professor and, and all those guys, Mr. and Mrs. Howell and Ginger and Marianne? And, did I leave anybody out? You got the whole crew there. Shipwrecked on a deserted island. Do you remember the episode when the professor came up with a some type of a potion, something that they would drink. And as they would drink this potion, they would immediately know, Earl, what you're thinking. (laughs) I mean, they would drink it and boom, we knew what each other was thinking. Well, that caused so much trouble on the island, did it not? I mean, some of you right now, I wonder, would you want your thoughts right now the thoughts that you've had this morning, would you like for us to put those up on the screen so everybody could see it? Huh? Talk to me. No, I don't think any of us would. I wouldn't want my thoughts up there. I wouldn't want my actions up there. I wouldn't want the things that I say when I think no one is listening put up there. Why? Because I know who John Cannon is. I look in Romans chapter 3 and it really describes all of us and it talks about how we're all sinners, we're all wicked, we're all vile. So in order for us to get our arms around the concept and the principle teaching about living a holy life, there's two things we must understand. Number one, we must understand where the battleground for holiness is. Where do we fight this battle? If I'm to live a holy life and I'm to strive to do that, then I better educate myself on where the battle is. There is a war that's raging in your life. And I'm not talking about the war in Iraq or Afghanistan. I'm talking about the spiritual warfare that takes place in your life and in my life every single day. Where is the battleground for holiness? The first place, I want you to jot this down in your notes, please battleground number one for holiness is in the heart. It is in your heart. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 7. And I'm not going to have time to read the entire chapter 7 to you, but it's a wonderful passage of Scripture where Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees and teaching his disciples about something. In Mark's Gospel, chapter number 7... The Bible begins, and I'm going to begin in verse number 1. I'm going to skip around some. But the Bible says that the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. Now him is Jesus. They gathered around Jesus. In verse 2, and they observed that some of his disciples were eating their bread unclean, that is, unwashed hands. In other words, the Pharisees noticed that some of Jesus' followers, as they assembled together to eat the meal, started eating the meal without washing their hands. Well, that, was all, that went completely against the religion of the day. We go a little bit farther. In verse number 5, it says, Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? instead of eating bread with ritually unclean hands. And he answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. Jesus was saying, in your religious activity... You're following the commands of man, but your heart is far from me. we we'll go a little bit farther. Disregarding the command of God, you keep the tradition of men. And he also said to them, you completely invalidate God's command in order to maintain your tradition. Let's skip on down to verse number 14. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And we go a little bit farther in verse number 18. He said, are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a man from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach. And is eliminated. In verse 20. Then he said. What comes out of a person. That defiles him. For from within. Out of people's hearts come evil thoughts. Sexual immoralities. Thefts. Murders. Adulteries. Greed. Evil actions. Deceit. Lewdness. Stinginess. Blasphemy. Pride. And foolishness, all these things come from within and defile the person. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying is what defiles you is your heart. It's what comes out of a man. It's not the religious activity that makes you pure and clean. Jesus says you got a problem with your heart. And guys, we got to understand where is the battleground for holiness? It is in our heart. I don't have time to read all the scripture to you, but over in Romans chapter 7 and verse 14 through the rest of the chapter, Paul recognizes the fact that when he goes to do good, evil is always present. Matter of fact, he said, I want to do what's right, but I find myself doing what's wrong. How many can relate to that? Man, we want to do what's right. We want to do what's right. But it seems like we find ourselves stumbling time and time again. Paul could relate with that. But he put his finger on the heart of the issue. He said, it's sin in my flesh. It's in my heart. It's the sinful nature that is within us that leads us to these wicked, vile, sinful things that Jesus mentioned in Mark chapter 7. The whole point is, we got to understand the battleground for holiness It's in our heart. It's deep inside of you where nobody can see it, but you know exactly what's in there. God knows exactly what's in there. Satan targets that area of your life. we got to know where the battleground is. Matter of fact, I'm reminded what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. He said, the heart is more deceitful than anything else, and it's desperately sick. Who can understand? Jeremiah put his thumb on the pulse of the problem, didn't he? The heart is desperately wicked. And then he says, Who can understand it? I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to his way, according to his actions. And I'm just trying to draw our attention to where the battleground is, is all I'm trying to do here. The battleground is in the heart. And I prove it from Scripture. That the heart is sinful, wicked, vile. And what comes out of the heart is those evil thoughts and desires, murders, killings. That's what defiles a man. But there's a second place where a battle rages. And this is just by way of information, just so we're aware of it. There's whole messages. I mean, you could unpack, you could preach a series of messages on just where the battleground is. But I just want you to be familiar with it, is all. The battleground's in the heart. Second place is the mind. Not only in the heart, but in the mind. Listen, guys, what we allow into our minds is picked up by the desires of our heart. I heard Brother Darrell this morning in the Sunday school class. And he said a very popular saying and phrase that every single one of us are very familiar with. Matter of fact, you've probably used it, parents, in teaching and educating your children. He used the phrase, he said, garbage in, garbage out. Guys, you know what we've got to do? We must guard our minds. We must guard what we watch. We must guard what we read. We must guard what we listen to. There's the eye gate and the ear gate. And if you don't put a guard at those gates, your mind's going to be infiltrated with the the sinful lewdness and wickedness of the world. It's going to settle in the heart. And out of the heart comes our language. And out of the heart comes our actions. And that's what makes us unholy. So the battleground is the mind. The battleground is the heart. We understand that, don't we? That's where the battle is. So what's the plan? If we're to strive to live a holy life and we know that the battleground's in the heart, that the battleground's in the mind, we must put some guards there. We must work there. Now we've got to have a plan. Well, I've put down about five or six different action steps for us. To help us strive. None of us are going to reach sinless perfection on this side of heaven. You understand that, don't you? I mean, as hard as you try, you're still going to come up short. But we need to find ourselves clothed in the righteousness of Christ, which is step number one. If we're going to fight this battle of holiness, then it starts with salvation. Write that down. It begins with salvation. I mean, listen, guys, you have no chance whatsoever apart from Christ. As a matter of fact, you remember the phrase, the scripture that I read earlier? Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Now, you can work as hard as you want to work, but you'll never achieve holiness on your own. Hello? We only achieve holiness, and we can only stand in holiness in the presence of God when we are clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're clothed in His garment. Matter of fact, let me remind you that when God looks over the portals of heaven and he sees all of humanity all over the world, he really only sees two men. He sees either you in Adam, that's in yourself, in your sinful nature, or he sees you in the second Adam, which is Christ Jesus. So whenever he looks over all of heaven, God doesn't see denominations. My free will Baptist preacher, brethren, man, <laughs> I like that back home. Listen. Now I'm free will, baptist, and doctrine. But I'm not, I don't get hung up a whole lot on denominations. Hello? What matters is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that we know Him. And that we are clothed in Him. And when we experience the salvation of the Lord, that's step number one for fighting this battle of impurity and sinfulness and wickedness in our heart and in our mind. We cannot do it in and of ourselves. I love Romans 10 and 13. It says, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ and you want to be a holy person, just let me remind you that you'll not achieve holiness by attending church. You'll not attend or, uh, achieve or acquire holiness by being baptized. You'll not become a holy person by putting in your tithe and your offerings. You won't be a holy person simply by taking communion or the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, whatever you want to call it. You only can take the first step towards holiness by giving your life to Christ and then allowing Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. So taking Christ as your personal Savior is step number one in this battle plan for holiness. So what's step number two? Step number two is to fill your mind with the Word of God. Fill your mind with the Word of God. You must hear God's Word. You must study God's Word. You must read God's Word. You must memorize God's Word. You must fill your mind with the Word of God. Why? Because we know the mind is the battleground. Garbage in, garbage out. And if we want to live and strive to live a holy life, then we must get into the living Word of God. God's Word. And it must fill our minds on a regular basis. Romans chapter 12. Turn in your Bibles there quickly. I'm going to take you to a few passages of Scripture. Romans chapter 12. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, scoot over next to them and let them see your Bible. Share. Look around. Love. Scoot over. Get close. That's okay. Hello? If you don't know that person next to you, say, hey. I'm so and so, nice to meet you. Look in my Bible. Okay? Romans chapter 12. I want you to look at verse number two. Paul is writing, he says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. How are we to be transformed? How are we to put on holiness? It starts with salvation in Christ. But secondly, we must fill our minds with the Word of God. We must be transformed by the renewal. Listen, we got to change the way we think. Hello? And how do we change the way we think? By turning over a new leaf? No. We change the way we think by getting into the Word of God. Now let me share with you a practice that I try to do on a daily basis. There are three things that I... That I try, three different books that I try to read on a daily basis. And I read it so that I can achieve three different things. For wisdom, I read the book of Proverbs every day. Now I don't read the entire book. If today is the 19th, I'll read Proverbs 19. Tomorrow's the 20th, I'll read Proverbs 20. 21st, I'll read Proverbs 21. You got it. Why am I reading Proverbs? Well, the wisest man in the whole world ever wrote the book but but instead of going to Proverbs we run down to Barnes and Noble's now, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. don't beat up on Barnes and Noble's too man I love Barnes and Noble's amen matter of fact let me show you something right here i've got my very own personal membership at Barnes and Noble's okay what is that, 20% off, 15% off? I mean, it doesn't give you a whole lot initially, but you use this baby about it once a week. I mean, I buy books like crazy. I'm sorry, honey. I, I don't know. We talked about our budget this week, and there's some things that got to change, and this is probably one of them. But, and maybe not so much the books, but the coffee that's there too is pretty good. You know? <laughs> I love that. Wait a minute. What do we got to read? The Word of God. Renew our mind. But we'll find ourselves running to the self-help section at Barnes & Nobles. Matter of fact, I like to go there. I like to go to the self-help section. And I like to see what the great titles are and what the best sellers are. And and I'll look at those and and I grab grab titles from my sermons or titles from my sermon series. From the titles in books. And then I'll look at the self-help chapters and I'll read the front of it. And I'll say, okay, I think I can preach a message on that. I can preach a message on that. You see, we can bring it all back to God's Word. So let's just go to God's Word. Right? You don't need the 25% off at Barnes & Noble's. You've got a copy of God's Word. I read Proverbs for, for wisdom. Another book that I read on a daily basis is the book of Acts. Let me tell you why I read the book of Acts? Because in the book of Acts, we see a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit through the first century church. And I don't want to be a powerless preacher. I don't want to be a powerless Christian. I want to have God's power on my life. Therefore, where do I go? I go to the book of Acts because there's a demonstration of God's power being revealed through His people there. You see, I'm trying to renew my mind, and I do it through God's Word. There's another place that I go because I want to be a person that loves. And boy, that one's hard sometimes. You ever met that unlovable person? <laughs> you may work with that unlovable person. Hello? Not that I do or anything, guys. No. yeah, <laughs> You may work with I love. Where do we go to fill our mind with love? Well, I go to the book of Psalms. I like to read the Psalms. Because that helps me to fill my mind with love. Now, that's some reading that I do. The point is, if we're going to fight this battle of personal holiness, we must fill our mind with the, with the Word of God. But secondly, not only, or thirdly, not only must we fill our mind, we must also fill our heart. We must fill our heart with the Word of God. Well, how do we do that? That's when we take the Word of God that we've been reading, and now we meditate on it. Now, New Age teaching will teach us that meditation is disengaging your mind, wrapping yourself up in some type of a pretzel, and... Home and just letting it go. Whatever comes in, entertain that thought. Whatever comes by, embrace it. See the gods and see whatever and whatever you envision. That's new age. It's out there. It's prevalent. And by the way, unfortunately, the shelves at Barnes & Nobles are filled with that kind of junk. That's not the meditation that I'm talking about. The meditation that I'm talking about is getting a verse of Scripture and studying that verse, memorizing that verse, engaging your mind, not disengaging, but engaging your mind. What is this verse telling me? What does this verse mean? And do some word studies, great tools out there to help you with the Greek and the Hebrew to do some wonderful word studies and go back to the original language and see what it is God's trying to tell us through that verse of Scripture. We need to engage in meditating on the Word of God and memorizing the Word of God. Can I take you to a passage of Scripture? Go with me to Psalm 119. And I'm going to wrap this thing up quickly. Hang hang with me. I need about five to ten more minutes and I'm done. Psalm 119. I want you to go there. Psalm 119. That's a big book, isn't it? Go to verse 15. Psalm 119. Oh, let's start in verse number 9. Psalm 119 in verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all of my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my... For those that are there, I'm in verse number 11. What's that last word there? In my... Heart, Why? So that I may not sin against you. You see, guys, if we're going to live a holy life, we've got to treasure, we've got to cherish, we've got to fill our heart with the Word of God. Number four. Fourth thing we must do is worship in a Bible-believing, Christ-centered church. One of the best ways to start living a holy life and fighting in the battle... For holiness and personal holiness and engaging in warfare with the heart and with the mind is to worship together in a Bible-believing, cross-centered church. That's what it takes. It takes us gathering together. You see, this is a, a, a soul-filling station. We gather in here and we fill our spirits and our hearts with the word of God and we worship Him, and it just charges us to be able to go back out into the week. And live for the Lord. But unfortunately, there are many that are doing what Hebrews 10 and 25 says. It says that some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship. But we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other. Especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer and closer. I've received numerous emails. Several phone calls. Several have dropped by the office and said, Pastor, we're living in some troubled times, aren't we? And their concern is, do you think we're close to the end? And I always say this, if Paul and Peter thought they were close to the end, and in their writings you can see where they thought they were close to the end, honey, we're close to the end. Hello? Hello? I don't know when the end's going to be, but we're close. And you know what we need to do? The Bible says, especially since we know that we are in the last days. We're in the end time. And by the way, the entire New Testament church for 2,000 years has been in the last days in the end time, if you want a theologically, uh, or theological perspective on, on that thought. It's not since we entered the year 2000 from the New Testament, from the book of Acts, on has been the last days and the end time. But we're there. And since we know that we're there, the Bible says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. Guys, we're commanded to be here this morning. God says, if you want to live a life that pleases me, then get together and worship. And the key thing is, be sure it's a Bible-believing, cross-centered church. Fifth thing that we do to fight this battle for personal holiness is that we fellowship with like-minded believers who encourages us and people that can hold us accountable. Listen, guys, if we're left to ourselves, we will self-destruct. Hello? We just will. You know what we need? We need a body of believers that are around us. People that we can, can truly fellowship with. It's a Greek word koinonia. And it doesn't mean share a casserole together. It means share life together. That's important. We need people to hold us accountable. One of my accountability partners that I've had for many years is Pastor Ruben Kaysen. He's down in the eastern part of North Carolina pastoring right now. But he and I talk on the phone and we email each other and we are free to ask each other the hard questions to hold us accountable. Listen, guys, we need people in our lives that we share life with that can encourage us when we're down and that can hold us accountable. By the way, 2 Corinthians 6 and 14 says this. It says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can Lot have with darkness? Guys, do you realize that that Lot and darkness are completely different in their nature altogether? When one comes, the other leaves. Hello? If a room is dark and you turn the light on, where does it is dark, It goes, it flees. There's no way in the world that darkness and light can have fellowship together. Guys, we need to find some Bible-believing Christian brothers and sisters and people that we can... Come alongside and do ministry with and encourage each other. That's one of the reasons that the Sunday school on Sunday morning is so important. You get together and you study and you, and you hold each other accountable. And if somebody's missing, you look around and say, hey, where'd they go? Then I haven't been here in a while. And you make a phone call or you make a visit and you see how things are going in their life. It's another reason small groups are also important. To get together and share life together. Guys, listen, we need to fellowship with like-minded believers and encourage each other. The sixth and the last thing boils down to simply just being obedient. It's obedience. 1 John 5 and 3 says, For this is what love for God is, to keep His commands. We're to simply just be obedient to the Word of God. Now these are six different things that can help you in your battle for personal holiness. And I believe just about everyone in here at the outset of my message admitted that we struggle a little bit in that area. And I'm the first one to raise my hand. But you know what I've decided today? That I'm going to renew my commitment to holiness. Matter of fact, in my sermon prep this week, I said, You know what, John? You know what you need to do? And I just felt convicted of the Holy Spirit. You need to make a commitment. You're going to renew yourself to personal holiness. I wonder will you make that commitment also today? Will you look at your own life, and you may be here today as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and we have a song of invitation. Maybe you're here today, and you look at your own life, and you realize, you know, boy, I'm really not living a holy and a pure life. There's some things that have been mentioned today that the Holy Spirit has really spoken to my heart about. I want to ask you as our deacons and their wives are getting in place at the side and the back of the auditorium. They're going to be there for you in just a moment. If you need to make a move, if you need someone to pray with you, if you need someone to encourage you. They're going to be in place to help you. But where does personal holiness begin? It begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know him? And I didn't ask you if you were a church member. I didn't ask you if you'd been baptized. I didn't ask you if you paid tithe or or if you worked in a community group. I ask you, do you know him? Do you know Christ? Have you entered into a relationship with him? I want to let you know that he loves you. He loves you so much that he died for you on the cross. And he wants to receive you. He wants to come into your life and come into your heart. Matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Have you entered into that fellowship? Have you entered into that relationship? Do you know Christ as your Savior? You need help in that area today in just a moment I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and, and go back to one of our church leaders and their wives and, and just talk to them and they can help you they can pray with you and they can encourage you maybe you're here and you've, you've accepted Christ as your savior that's not the problem but maybe you really haven't given him your all maybe there's some areas in your life that just aren't what they need to be. Possibly the Holy Spirit has put His finger on your heart today. He's revealed to you that there's some things that need to be changed. There's some areas in your life that you need to ask forgiveness of. Maybe you haven't been obedient. Maybe you haven't been reading God's Word. Maybe you haven't been hiding His Word in your heart and meditating on Scripture Maybe you haven't been real faithful in attending church. Maybe you don't have any accountability partners or any real strong Christian friends that are around you. Let's take all of that to the Lord, okay? Father, right now, we commit this time of invitation to you. Dear God, I pray as people are making decisions right now in their seats. Father, that you would help us live a holy life. God we understand where the battleground is we know there's a battle in our hearts we know there's a battle in our minds God we've unpacked a few steps that can help us in that battle Father however you've spoken to your people today pray that we'd respond in a way that would draw us closer to you that would help us to live a life that'd be pleasing unto you may we ever strive to live holy in Jesus name I pray